This is Building Matters, a BG Building Works podcast covering news and topics in the architecture, engineering, and construction industry. Hello and welcome back to Building Matters. We are here today to talk about the internet of things and uh, just how that plays into the building and construction industry. It might, uh, uh, you might learn a few new things here, uh, might be some old hat for some of you out there, but uh, we're gonna cover it anyways. So uh, we've got two guests with us today. Uh, our first guest is Annalisa Connors. Uh, Annalisa is our uh, local lighting expert. She runs our uh, Enlightened Design studio lighting design group. Annalisa, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. It's been a little while since we've been on one of these, probably about a month now. So looking forward to uh, getting back into it here. And uh, our second guest here, you've heard from him before when talking about acoustics. He also knows a little bit about the technology side of things. Eric Aiden. Eric, what's going on, man? Not a whole lot. Sweet. So uh, like I said before, uh, we're talking about Internet of Things here uh, and, and how IoT really impacts the building and construction industry. Uh, the first thing that I'm going to throw out there on the table for you guys to, to, to jump into, um, I, I think one of the technologies that really drives the ability for Internet of Things is power over Ethernet or, or, or PoE. So I'm going to throw out there, uh, what, what really is PoE for our, for our listeners? POE is, uh, stands for uh, Power Over Ethernet and is essentially the uh, use of a uh, or transmitting uh, DC voltage over uh, untwisted or unshielded twisted pair uh, network cabling, typically uh, known as Category 5, Category 6 type cabling, uh, used to typically power a, a a remote endpoint such as a telephone wireless access point or uh, other other device um, but those devices are uh, growing uh, in different types every day so kind of part of the uh, discussion here regarding internet of things cool so uh layman's terms what we're doing is we're we're, we're connecting something to a network uh and it's that network connection is delivering both power and the the, the data right Cool. Well, uh, we, you touched on it there real quick. IoT, Internet of Things. You know, what, what really does that mean at the end of the day? Internet of Things is really where all, all, as many as you can get, devices are uh, interconnected and can kind of basically speak to one another in a building. Um, so where you would have a building management system that might be a centralized building management system and, you know, say the hub of your building um, could sort of see all the devices in your building and talk to all of the devices in your building, i.e. tell them what to do and, uh, and, and allow everything to function uh, together. So give me an example of, uh, of what you mean there. Uh, well, for example, we... Uh, you could have occupancy sensors in a room that is at the end of your building 
And those could be tied into the building management system at the hub of your building, at the central, the central point of your building. And uh, if the in a in a sort of dummy situation where they weren't interconnected, the occupancy sensors would see somebody leave the room and maybe shut off all the lights, maybe shut off the HVAC, um, shut off whatever you wanted it to shut off, and then. Uh, that would be it. That would kind of be the end of the line. In a smart scenario where you've got your occupancy sensors, for example, tied to the centralized building automation system, um, the the occupancy sensors could detect act, detect vacancy, and then uh, would shut off the room, like as in the dumb scenario. But then it could it could relay a message to the building automation system that says hey, this room is vacant, come and clean it if it's a hotel room or uh, or what have you. Maybe add some extra security if you need it or whatever. If it's a home, you know, and, and you have a smart system like we're talking about and the there's a system that detects vacancy and and then you're gone on vacation and there's some kind of intruder. It could notify your smartphone that says, hey, there's someone in the house and there shouldn't be, right? Whereas in a dumb scenario, you, you don't have that connection to your phone. You don't have that connection to your building automation system. Um, so I think that was a great explanation about, uh, about Internet of Things in general. Um, Aiden, do you have anything to add on to that? No, I think Annalisa captured it pretty well. Okay, so... How are these? How are these systems? Uh, you know, from an from a uh, Internet of Things perspective, how are they impacting our building systems right now? What kind of stuff are we are we able to do today uh, with those kind of technologies? Well, there's my favorite, which is light fixtures. Um, there aren't a lot of POE light fixtures. So, for people who are totally unfamiliar with this topic, um, basically. There are certain manufacturers that have decided to create some fixtures that are quote unquote POE ready. So they've got all the parts and components that make the fixture ready to be powered and controlled in this way that we're talking about. Um, and so there aren't a lot of manufacturers that have really have those fixtures ready. So we're kind of limited in our use and application. Um, but in the scenarios where the manufacturers do have fixtures available, um, we have a lot of options for our lighting design. Um, it allows a lot of flexibility with lighting control. Um, it allows greater ease of compliance with our lighting codes. Um, it allows simpler installation for an electrician. Uh, normally you would have to hire sort of a certified electrician to do line voltage power, AC power. Um, but in this scenario, uh, it's not required, except maybe by a jurisdiction, to have a certification to be able to install these types of fixtures because um, using the low voltage cable is a little bit safer than using line voltage wiring. Um, so from a lighting perspective, it, it does open up some options for us, though right now it's still pretty limited. Um, so 
we talk about you know the the, the lighting aspects of uh, uh, of the Internet of Things uh, viewpoint. You know the the you know power over Ethernet infrastructure that's that, that we need to put in place uh, to to make that functional. Um, Aiden, maybe you can jump in here and just talk about how some of those uh, some how some of those same principles. Uh, impact other technology systems in a building? Well, it's, it simply allows us to uh, put smart devices onto the network. And what we're seeing more of is putting traditionally non-smart devices onto the network. And what that allows us to do is uh, bring a, a new uh, avenue for uh, monitoring and control of, of these devices. Um, and we can also obviously remotely power these devices. So we don't need uh, to pull 120 volts to every corner of, of a building now where we can reach with uh, traditional uh, network cabling, uh, maybe that was already installed or is much cheaper to uh, retrofit uh, into uh, an existing building. Um, Areas we're seeing, you know, great adoption over over time of uh, PoE and uh, similar technologies are, you know, uh, CCTV cameras, uh, electronic access control, uh, audiovisual systems. More and more devices are being uh, PoE capable, um, and you know, we're really. I think scratching the surface of you know what we can do with a lot of these things. Um, the power available over PoE has grown uh, substantially over the past ten or fifteen years, where it used to be limited to uh, fifteen and a half watts approximately uh, at the at the network switch, and we're looking at uh, deployments where we can leverage almost. 100 watts of power at the at the network switch port nowadays so we can we can power much more power hungry devices uh, than we were ever able to prior and like eric well you both eric like eric aiden <laughs> mentioned there there are a lot of opportunities for devices that could be powered with poe so so he mentioned a couple i mentioned one basically um, but there are so many options. So um, some powering HVAC equipment, powering and controlling HVAC equipment, um, CO2 sensors, clocks, phones, intercom systems, room scheduling software, um, daylight harvesting, shade control and power. Um, there are really a lot of options. And um, like Eric mentioned, I think that we're only going to see that expanding as the uh, wattage restriction increases. Yeah, I think uh, you, you hit on a couple of important topics there is uh, the, the, the growth and the pl- proliferation of the, the number of devices out there that can be connected to the Internet. Um, you know, some people would argue whether or not you should be connecting things to the Internet. Uh, you know, let's let's say like your refrigerator, right? You can, I mean, there, and, and they've been around for a while. You, there are refrigerators out there you can connect to the internet and who knows why at the end of the day you should connect things to the internet. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, I, I think 
if you take the idea of Internet of Things and why is this a thing beyond just because you can, um, a, a lot of it really revolves around uh, the, the big picture of automation, right? We've talked a lot about controls so far uh, with lighting controls, HVAC controls, um, occupancy sensors that might be able to, say, turn on equipment in a space or turn off equipment in a space when vacancy is recognized. Uh, and, and those sort of things. Uh, so automation and automated control of our of our of our spaces and our buildings, I think, is a really big driver behind uh, a lot of it in the in the building construction industry. Um, but even more simplistic than that, uh, there's a lot of it that is just data accumulation to help inform or educate or identify those those potentials for automation. Uh, you know, you go into uh, a lot of the, the a lot of the stuff that we're talking about, it, it's really at its most basic, trying to accumulate data, trying to collect data, uh, you know, and, and in all all sorts of forms. Um, you know, I was actually reading an article uh, the other day about uh, you know Amazon wanting to essentially put some sort of a uh, some sort of a uh, a Wi-Fi repeater in your mailbox. Um, and why? And and on, on the surface, that is that that sounds like something that uh, could be relatively invasive um, because it's collecting that data. But what they want to use it for is they want to create a logistics network to know exactly where and when things are occurring with their delivery systems and whatnot. So uh, it, it sounds really weird to take a, something and put it in your mailbox and connect it to the internet. But at the end of the day, what can be done with that data? Uh, and, and that information, I think, is is going to it's going to start to show in the future what directions we want to go with systems and things like that. What can be more beneficial to uh, to society when it comes to those sort of things? Cool. Bring up a really interesting question because I feel like we as designers see a ton of potential for advancement in efficiency, advancement in data collection, advancement in, uh, you know, interconnecting these systems for the best, you know, most integrated, most thoughtful building design that you could possibly have. I think we see a lot of potential for that. But I'm curious to know what you guys think, because I get feedback more frequently than I would like from owners who these lighting controls are too complicated, <laughs> right? Or, or uh, you know, I hate that the energy code requires X, Y, Z of my fixtures to function in this way. Um, so I'm curious to know what you guys think about the end user and maybe a lay person who... You know, it's it, you bring up a really interesting point um, uh, about you know, the feedback you get specifically with lighting controls and the complication of it uh, and that sort of thing. And, you know, if you, again, take a step back and look at it from 30,000 feet of what is the point? Like, why are they becoming, quote unquote, complicated? Uh, why do you have to do X and Y and Z from a lighting control perspective uh, when it comes to the energy code and, and whatnot? Um and if you step back from 30,000 feet, it's, it's really the, the reason why we're doing those things or why uh, codes are being adapted to require those sort of things uh, is for, for energy savings at the end of the day. 
Um, and while the, there's no intent, I don't think, to, to remove the manual aspect of it, but it's to, it, it's to make sure that we're not spending energy when we don't need to. So it has, I think it has more to do, uh, it has more to do with not using the energy when there's no one around to be actually, you know, receiving any benefit from it or reducing the energy in the case of like daylighting sensors and that kind of stuff, reducing the energy that's consumed when you just don't need it in the space. We have sensors that are proving that you don't need it in the space for whatever particular reason, but, and, and less just for the sake of selling equipment or, uh, uh, you know, saving energy just because it's the, it's the, the, the socially responsible thing to do. I think there's, uh, there's definitely some, some aspects of lighting control that, uh, we, we need to make sure that are, that continue to be maintained. You know, that there's always going to be a, a, uh, an avenue for manual control, right? Because there are certain circumstances where you might be using a space that, the, the automated levels that that daylighting sensor is tuning your lighting to because you have daylighting in the space, the lighting level provided in there might not be enough for what you're trying to do. So you can go manually turn the stuff on. But then, you know, humans are forgetful. So they walk out of the space. And meanwhile, those lights are on completely, you know, because you wanted the additional light in the space. Well, what's wrong with having something in there that uh, when you walk out, if you haven't been in there for five minutes, then turn the lights back down because you're not, no one's receiving any benefit from those lights being on at that point. Um, you know, as, as far as the, the, the complicated nature of it, I think that things, when someone says that something is complicated, it's because at some level, the user interface was botched the user interface wasn't thought out um you know the it, it the the reasoning behind it might not be explained as well as it could have there's a lot of reasons why the uh why someone would come back and say something is too complicated or you know it's it's more than we need or you know whatever it might be um but more often than not and i see this on the av side of things as well when we start talking about av controls about the, how complicated it is and this and that, and that the other and I, and I genuinely feel like a lot of that it's too complicated comes from, well, it's, it, it's, we're trying to do some complicated things and there's a way to be able to make that simple from a user interface perspective, but that part of the design, that part of the consulting, that part of the installation and programming and everything like that just wasn't dealt with, with the same level of care as getting those fixtures selected just right was does that make sense yeah and that makes perfect sense and it's totally fair i think i just challenged us as designers from an end user perspective what can we do to fix that and make that problem that i hear all the time right a little bit easier for them and uh, i'm fully on board with energy savings and efficiency i'm all about that so I'm not suggesting in any way, you know, trying to lobby your petition to remove, you know, energy codes. But is there something that we can, something else that we can do as designers to alleviate some of the pain that our end users feel? Yeah, I think a big part of it is just asking why, and not not like in a in a in, in a 
uh, in a derisive tone, you know, we, we don't want to sit there, you know, when someone says, you know, why don't we do that? And we, well, why would we do that? Like not from that perspective, more of genuinely trying to understand the perspective that's being presented to us. So like, you know, in that particular, the, 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 the situation of, uh, an end user thinking that a lighting control system or an AV control system for that, for the, for the same perspective, uh, is too complicated. It's, it's, it needs to be from a, a, a viewpoint of genuinely trying to figure out their perspective and why they feel that way. You know, so, so if someone says this, you know, this seems too complicated, you know, let's sit down and, 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 and genuinely, well, why do you feel that way? You know, what part, like, let's go through what might seem complicated to you and see if there is a better way of doing it. See if there's something that resonates with them a little bit better. Um, to and still accomplishes the same thing because I agree with you. Um, I don't think it's any of our intent to roll back energy codes at this point. Um, I frankly, that's not happening. Um, so it's but but getting getting people accustomed to that as opposed to ramming it down their throat is is certainly going to yield uh, end users that are more comfortable with what they're getting in their buildings. So we, we talked a little bit about it, um, but let's let's just explore for a little bit. Um, you know, if I just pulled up a if I pull up a, a quick uh, and you, people that are listening to this may have seen these sort of things if they're interested in the topic at all. But uh, there's a there's a, a a projection that I that I'm just looking at now uh, that basically says they're projecting that there's going to be 21.5 billion internet connected devices in five years, in 2020, in four years, 2025. Uh, and this is a projection that was created in 2020. So this, the, uh, which currently were just under 10 billion uh, connected devices. So there's still going to be an explosion of internet connected devices in, uh, in, in, in the world. What do we see being the, the main culprits or the main, the, the main drivers behind that moving forward from here? And, and maybe if we have ideas like five years from now, what kind of things are being put, put on the internet and why? Well, I think, you know, the proliferation of everything being on the internet is, is kind of the, the drive there, especially from the, the consumer perspective. Um, a lot of, you know, what we see as home automation in our, in our daily lives today, looking at your, uh, your Alexas, your, uh, your Google homes, which, uh, essentially act as that internet of things hub uh, to which all of the devices in your home talk to, whether it be your refrigerator, your door locks, your cameras, uh, you know, your doorbell, things of that nature. So, you know, those are the, the things that the, the consumer will see um, the things that are going to, you know, really explode on the commercial and industrial level are, you know, the, onset of artificial intelligence uh, where you have this explosion in data uh, from all of these devices. There's simply not enough, you know, human availability to take in and analyze and understand all this data. So this is really where we'll see uh, artificial intelligence come online and really provide some value in terms of parsing that data out and, you know, allowing it to be useful, making it, uh, you know, making machine learning uh, 
decisions on their on its own uh, to impact you know different systems, whether that be uh, you know smart traffic systems, um, healthcare, manufacturing. Uh, I think you know industrial processes, uh, manufacturing, et cetera, are were some of the first. Areas where where we saw Internet of Things to monitor uh, different uh, you know components in their systems, looking at premature failure, looking at uh, efficiencies, look at looking at energy use, things of that nature. So, I think uh, those are some of the things we'll see as we start to move move forward here. My first inclination uh, as an answer to your question was things that are small and have kind of a low power draw just based on the, um, the our constraints right now with um, things that are able to be powered over PLE, um, which is potentially even a little bit different than your question about Internet of Things. Um, but in a past life, I was sort of on the periphery of some designers who designed um, an all DC building, which was super interesting to get to sort of spectate on. Um, and I know that they were really constrained um, because again, there aren't a ton of products that are DC only. Um, but I found it fascinating. I found the idea of eliminating losses going from DC to AC and then back to DC. I found that kind of fascinating and it seems like a long way before we get there, but that could be something really interesting. Um, should it be more viable on a large scale uh, to be able to really actually power whole building systems that way? I think that, uh, I think that uh, we hit on some really good topics there as far as like what, how, how, Internet of Things impacts us moving forward. Um, ultimately, it's I think it's going back. To, it's going to go back to one of the things that I said before about data collection, and what can we do with that? Um, you know, it's I, I won't go so far as to say everything's going to be internet connected in the future, but it, we might not be far off. Um, you know, if. Uh, there's going to obviously there's going to be some limitations as far as power delivery. Um, you know, you, putting a putting an electric range on the internet uh, is uh, it, it doesn't really leverage that POE infrastructure very well. It, it, it could certainly be an internet-based device, but uh, where it's getting its power from is uh, is, is something a little bit different. Um, but is there a reason? You know, could could we envision a reason in the future why we would want to have our range or our oven on the internet? Why we might want to have our, uh, our microwave on the internet, um, wh why we might want to have not just the, not just our, you know, our doorbells, but actually the doorknob, uh, you know, the, the, well, the locks already exist, right? Um, you know, is there, there's so many things that can already be put on the internet and it's all about, uh, it's all about data collection to make our lives easier, to make our lives more automated, um, and, and, and present us with information. Um, it brings up an interesting question though. And that's it, that represents a very large paradigm shift from where construction is, you know, ha has been just, you know, five or 10 years ago. 
what what concerns you guys about that? Like, what 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 would if if that was if that was a topic that you were really invested in? Like, what's keeping you up at night? So I uh, I actually had have a personal story with this with my Nest system. Um, I was in Hawaii and set the Nest to eco mode and. It, the house somehow or another dropped to 40 at the thermostat, but we were afraid that it was going to be like, you know, 20 upstairs or something, right? Where, cause it's not monitoring, the, the thermostat's not monitoring every area of the house. Um, and so it turned out to be fine because since we had the nest, we could just turn the heat up remotely from Hawaii, which was super cool. Um, (laughs) So it does open up a world of options in those types of scenarios. Um, I think my fear is what if it fails, right? What if you have it on your locks and the lock system fails and then your house is just free reign? And I'm sorry, because I think I cut Aiden off when I was getting ready to answer your question. So go ahead. (laughs) Uh, Not at all. Yeah, you raise a, an excellent point there. You know what what happens if it if it breaks? The I think the other two key uh, things that uh, people like to focus on are security of of the system in general and data collection. What happens to what happens to your data? I, you know, I I think the the good intentions of the world. You know, Amazon's not going to sell your data. Sure, they aren't. Uh, you know, look at looking at uh, deployments of doorbell cameras in law enforcement, uh, tapping into those networks of, of cameras to uh, to view uh, incidents uh, through that means. Um, but then, you know, what happens if someone hacks into your system and is you know turning your lights on and off or your uh, op- unlocks your door uh, from you know, half a world away uh, at the, probably as a best case, you know, there's a lot of different things. If we're looking at uh, <clears throat> building automation systems in large scale facilities that uh, leverage a, a complete network of uh, devices and sensors and things of that nature that can control every function of that building. What if someone can hack into that network and, you know, shut off the, the electrical system or turn off the HVAC system in winter, similar to your uh, conundrum with your nest system there. So uh, those are, I think, the the big concerns that are keeping people up at night that are that are looking at these types of systems uh, on a large scale. I think that's a great point because, you know, in the, in the context of Internet of Things, you know, what do what do most people have uh, a level of familiarity with? They have a level of familiarity with their house. Um, so when they think of inter- internet of things, they, they think of things like the, you know, your ring doorbell or your nest thermostat, or maybe you've got some, some small security cameras around the house. Uh, you know, your, your smart refrigerator, uh, you know, they think of those kind of things. Um, but the reality of the situation is that's not the only stuff that's going on the internet. You know, the, you know, things in a power plant are becoming much more internet based, um, or, or maybe the better way to say it is that they, they become much more network based. 
And that network can be connected to the internet. So from a security perspective, you know, if someone wants to hack into my, uh, you know, use use my uh, ring doorbell as an attack vector and get into my get into my home network and turn my lights on or off, you know, uh, I'm sure they'll be amused by it. But at the end of the day, has anything like is that catastrophic? No, that's not catastrophic. It's inconvenient. Um, you know, uh, unlocking your door is much is, is much more of an issue for people that out there that have. Uh, you know, net, internet connected locks or that sort of thing. Super convenient to be able to, uh, uh, to to be able to unlock your door remotely, say for a friend that needs to come over and feed and water the dog or whatever it might be. But there's definitely some some concern that comes along with that convenience, right? At the end of the day, though, if you if we start realizing that this stuff isn't happening in our residences, this stuff this, these kind of things are happening everywhere. In, in in and start putting it into power plants, into uh, you know water treatment plants and everything like that. You know, it, it, at some level, and I don't want to sound you know too sadistic or or you know, Orwellian to a certain extent. But does that you know do those sort of things become the twenty the twenty first century warfare? Um, I think you already see it in some cases if you if you if you dig deep enough, but. You know, the if if you got a couple of countries that get angry at each other, being able to hack into networks and that sort of thing and control power grids and control you know water quality and that that those sort of things could be a very massive problem. Um, so you know, I, I think that that security aspect of it is uh, is certainly a, a huge topic, and and you know it is if you listen to other podcasts about you know techno about technology and and that sort of thing. Um, so let that be a lesson to folks out there. If you want to, uh, if if you want to have, if you want to be involved in an industry that's uh, that's always going to have something to do, network security. That's that's your job right now. Um, but then you know, the going, Aiden, you touched on uh, uh, data security. You know, the, what the data collection aspect of it, and what what are people doing with it. That starts to become, uh, you know, there's the security aspect of leaks uh, and and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, you get, just look up, down, left, and right, and we see all sorts of uh, of actors out there that have, you know, gotten their hands on credit card numbers and that kind of stuff just because you went shopping at Target or you know credit histories through Equifax or whatever it might be. Um, but to a certain extent, those things are kind of I'll call them a personal choice. Because a lot of that data that's being collected about you personally, you're giving that up for a level of convenience. What do you want to do with it? You know, some people are okay with that being out there uh, and know how to manage it. Some people aren't. So, um, yeah, th those are definitely two massive, uh, massive concerns that I would have moving forward. Uh, and you know, I think that uh, I think that. The three of us on a on a podcast here about building systems, uh, we're not onto anything new there. So uh, there's there's plenty of people out there trying to solve those kind of issues. To a much less ominous extent, but I think very practical practical and probably a broader extent, um, I think is just a very sort of boring answer, which is user error. Um, I think we talked before about end user and how it's complicated and 
whatever. And if you don't know how your system works, you don't know how the settings work, or you thought you did it right and you did it wrong, you know, in, in my case, all the pipes in my house might burst, right? Or, <laughs> um, and so I think that's a very practical response that's a very real consideration. So are you saying that you still have the default password on your nest? <laughs> yeah. Do you want to go fix it for me? <laughs> Not really. Someone might though. Um, no, that's, a, I think that's, uh, that, that's a really, uh, that's also a very astute point is, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of dovetails into that, uh, that security aspect and that data collection aspect is um, to a certain extent, there is a level of savviness that the end user needs to have in order for these things to be both functional and safe. Um, you know, the, the functional part of it, I think, comes out of the box. But to make it safe, you kind of there, there is a level of, of needing to know what you're doing and why you're doing it and, uh, and, and how those things work. And I think that while there, I think there is just some hot air that's given towards those kind of things. Yeah, you should go change your default password on your Wi-Fi router and that kind of stuff. And um, and there are a number of like people that are savvy with the technology are gonna are gonna go do something like that. Uh, my grandmother is not gonna change the default password on her on her router. It's just not going to happen. Someone needs to do that for her. Um, and I think where these two topics start to dive into each other is the more that these devices proliferate, the bigger of an issue that is. Um, so it's no, I think I, I think that's a that, that's completely valid that, uh, you know, the, we, we kind of, the, the whole security side of things as a, as a people, we kind of do to ourselves to a certain extent, just by not being, not being as savvy as we could be about what, what it is we're doing it. We're, we're, we're putting these things in because they sound cool and what they might give us, but we don't understand what we need to do to make it safe. Is that fair? Yeah. And yeah. your point, there are a whole slew of people who, are maybe in a different generation who are not tech savvy. My dad doesn't have a cell phone, has never had a cell phone. And my parents literally call me to ask me to replace their light bulbs, right? So I think there are there is a, is a section of people or maybe an era of people who are, are not going to welcome this kind of technology with open arms. Well, if, I, I am going to just point out really quickly that you are a lighting designer, and if your parents are asking you to change their light bulbs, you could probably put some LEDs in and never have to worry about it again. That's just going to throw that out there. I have done that. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know where else to go with this, this conversation at this point, so I think we're uh, we're going to probably call it good there. Um, I want to thank you both for uh, for coming onto the podcast here, uh, Annalisa. Uh, I'm going to give you a moment here to uh, plug whatever you want to plug here. Um, well, thanks for listening to whatever minuscule knowledge I have on this topic. Um, and our, our studio is enlightened design studio. We're pretty excited. Um, 
we are still very much a part of BG, um, but we've decided to just sort of uh, highlight, pun intended, <laughs> our lighting design studio a little bit. Um, and so come check us out. We're on, uh, we're on Instagram. We're on the BG website. Uh, you can email me. Happy to chat. Or um, we also have a, a ton of lunch and learns uh, should anybody want them who's listening. Cool. And uh, Aiden, your turn. Thanks a lot for coming on to the, the podcast again. You're, the, you're officially the first, uh, the first two-time offender. And uh, anything going on in your world you want to talk about? Uh, well, thanks for having me again, Eric. Um, it, was, it was fun to, to kind of chat about this stuff for a little bit. Um, in general, uh, Internet of Things and POE, I think it's a real exciting uh, frontier uh, that we're kind of just scratching the surface of. And I think there's a lot of really interesting uh, applications on a lot of the, the types of projects we work on um, where we can really... Uh, leverage a lot of this this stuff so i you know really look forward to uh to engaging in that uh, as we as we move along here cool well that uh that about does it for us today uh thanks for tuning in to building matters we hope you are enjoyed our discussion today uh if you want to reach out to us you can send us an email at building matters at bgbuildingworks.com or visit our website at www.bgbuildingworks.com and we'll talk to you on the next episode of building matters <laughs>